This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. How are we doing? Oh, that was that was good. We'll take that. We'll take that. So if you're new here, my name's Corey. I'm one of the pastors. I do see some new faces, and I'm so glad you're here. Um, it, it matters. I hope, uh, I hope that you feel encouraged and welcomed and that this is um, a beneficial time for you. Uh, but, but your presence is encouraging to me and I know to others. And so uh, thanks for being here. Uh, it really does uh, matter. And so we're, we're, we're really glad. First uh, John chapter 4 is where we're going to be. We're just going to go from verses 7 through 11 today. Um, so we'll probably read that passage over the next three weeks, which is what I think we'll take to preach through um, those verses. Uh, and so today is, is just First John chapter 4, uh, 7 through 11. Um, and, and John, he's, he's talking to his friends, to those that he loves. He says, beloved, um, and, and that's not a word that you just throw around. Like, it's not like, hey, bud. Um, Bryce loves it when, when people call him bud. Um, so Bryce is over here. So if you can just refer to him as, hey, bud, um, he really loves that. But that's not, it's not like just like some casual turn, like, I don't really know your name, so I'm just gonna be like, hey, guy, um, you know, type thing. Like, this is beloved. This is, these are his people that, that he is, is talking, people that he cares for, right? That he, he genuinely wants the best for. Um, have you ever had a teacher or a coach that, you know, you just, you knew that they wanted the best out of you. Uh, my physics teacher in high school, I know physics, right? I took physics two as an elective because I, I know, right? You're like, what? And not only that, not only physics two as an elective, it was a, a zero hour class, which means it was before first period. But it's because our teacher was amazing. Like she actually cared about us as, as normal people, right? I think a lot of times with, with students and, and kids, um, there's this like, I'm the adult, I talk down to you. Um, and, and like real teachers and coaches that are great, like don't have this complex, like, oh my gosh, I have to be above it. Like, no, they talk to you like a normal human being. It makes you feel like, oh, I matter, even though I'm a 15-year-old knucklehead, right? Um, and she was just a great teacher. Like she cared about us as human beings, which, which made us want to learn. Like we knew that she actually cared about our long-term success. She would follow up with us on Facebook and be like, ah, I saw this picture. Only teacher I ever had that would like keep up with us. Y'all ever had a teacher or a coach like that? Anybody, can you think of, if you're still in contact, like you should reach out to that teacher and coach today and be like, you're amazing. Because I'll tell you this, I substitute taught, this has, this is not in the notes. I substitute taught right out of college for a little bit while I was waiting for Stephanie to graduate and I tried all ages, right? And, and for those elementary teachers, blessings, like blessings. It, I, it is a gift, right? And so when you have an elementary teacher that was amazing or, or when you have kids one day and you have an elementary teacher that like cares about your kids, like love on those teachers, right? Because it is a, it's a huge difference in someone that, actually cares about the people versus someone who's just doing a job. You know what I'm talking about? Huge difference. John isn't just doing a job. It's not like, you know, there was this job posting, and, you know, in, in the heavenlies that was like, hey, we need someone to write a couple letters to churches, right? Like, no, no, John cared about these people. He cares about those listening. He cares about the church. He wants the best for you. That's, what, that's what's entailed in this word Beloved. Like, he genuinely cares. He's pleading with us, like, come on, get this. Like, get this. Get this. Please get this. Beloved. And so what is his instruction? What is he encouraging, urging us to do? Beloved, let 
us love one another. Right? That's the command. That's the present tense, ongoing, let us intentionally choose to give love to one another. Now, this is the third time in the book of 1 John that John has come back to this command. Love one another. Right? It's a, it's a, it's a big deal. Now, now here's, the, here's the deal. Whether you've been a part of a church or, or not, whether this is like old news or, or new news, we've probably all heard, oh, God, love, God is love, Jesus loves you, love one another, Christians should be loving, right? This is probably not new information. You're probably not reading 1 John 4, 7 and being like, oh my gosh, the Bible tells us to love one another? What? Right, right fair? Now, what happens with something that you hear over and over and over and over and over again, it can lose its punch, right? It can become very rote, right? You, you just kind of gloss over it. And, and so I, I wanna, wanna call that out right now, and I wanna, wanna take a second. I wanna put like a, a pause in this moment, and I wanna encourage you, take a breath and choose, am I going to listen for the voice of God in this message. A am I going to listen to this like it matters? Like, like God is saying it to me and I'm to do something with this. Because it's very easy just to be like, okay, love one another, and then get up and not even remember what we talked about because it's so routine. Will you choose to listen for God's voice to you in this command. That, that perhaps God has something new for you in this command that we've heard our whole lives probably. That perhaps whether you've been a Christian from before you can remember, that right now God is saying love one another and he has something new for you to do today. To, to receive today, that there's a new level of satisfaction in his love for you today. So I just want to take a second. I want to invite you, if you're willing to close your eyes, take a breath. We're here. We're in this moment. And would you, in your own words, in your mind, in your heart, would you ask God, all right, here I am. What do you want to tell me? God, we are here listening. God, if, if you are who you say you are, then there is nothing greater than we can have than, than your voice, your word, your revelation to us. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, will you rest on us and will you speak to us? Break through the distractions that the devil wants us to put up. Break through all the different thoughts and to-do lists and things that might vie for your attention that we would hear from you and how you want us to love one another and perhaps even more importantly why you want us to love one another we ask this in the name of Jesus amen beloved friends love one another choose to love one another this word love is not something that you, you fall into. You don't fall in and out of, of this word love. This is the word love, agape. Agape is not a feeling. 
It's not like an attraction. It's not, it's not something that someone wrongs you and now you don't love them anymore. L- love is a choice. This is a choice. It is a choice that, that you and I are in control of. Right? Like there, there's a lot of things in this world that you are not in control of. Right now, you are not in control of anyone else's actions. Right? Even, even your spouse or your kids, right? Like, you ultimately cannot control what they do or don't do. You are responsible. I am responsible for me. You're, you're responsible for, for you. This word love, agape, is an intentional choice that right now you and I can choose, will I go and actively love others? I don't know how they're gonna choose for you, but you can decide for yourself. Love, the definition we've been using is the intentional posture. It's the intentional direction that we face our lives. It's the intentional way that we orient our whole lives and thoughts. It's the intentional posture to think and do what is kind, good, and best for another. Right, if you, if you take notes, write that down. If you got a phone, type that in there, right? Love is the intentional, I think, do we have the definition on there, Sarah? Did I send that? Okay. Maybe we do, maybe we don't. I'll say it slow. Love is the intentional posture. If you wanna use the word choice, that works too, right? It is a decision we make on purpose. Love is the intentional posture to think. It's how we think about people. And what we do. Love is the intentional posture to think and do what is kind, good, and best for another. It's the intentional posture. It's the choice. You and I can love one another. I can choose to think about all of you in ways that are kind about you, in ways that are for your good, in ways that are for your best. I can choose to do with my life for each one of you and you for me what is kind to me, what is good for me, what is my best. That is what the word love means. And John tells us that we are to love one another. It's an ongoing present verb. Right, so is it Sunday at 11.08 a.m.? Yes, and we are to love one another. Right, look around you. Just, just look, everybody. See faces, see people next to you, see people across the room. It's okay, it's okay if you make eye contact, just don't linger. Right, if you make eye contact and you linger there, I don't know, maybe it'll work out, who knows, right? Like, maybe <laughs> something will come from that, right? But, but just look around. John is telling me to love every single one of you. Now, does that mean that I can actively do something at every moment for every person? No, but it does mean I can posture myself in a direction of love so when I interact with you, I can think and do what is kind, good, and best. Right, when I'm off on my own, am I doing things for myself that make me the best version of myself so that I'm ready to think and do what is kind, good, and best, right? Am I going and polluting my mind with lies of the world that then make me think of you in ways that may or may not be true? Right, so much of how we love one another starts right here. Starts right here. We talked about this last week. The more we see and hear something, the more it becomes a truth to us, whether it's actually true or not. 
right? So you see children that are raised in a culture and then they believe that to be the way of truth because that's all they've known, right? So if we're listening to music that belittles women, whether we think it's true or not, it becomes a truth to us and we're more prone to belittle women because we listen to music that talks trash about women. It starts to become that truth in our mind. If we just watch shows and celebrate artists that talk about, you know, infidelity or just, you know, loose living, right? That becomes a more acceptable norm in our lives. Even if we're like, I don't think that's true, it becomes a truth to us. So when we go from here, right, we can be like, all right, I'm, I'm loving one another, but then I can still love you based on how I live my life when no one's around, because that postures me to be ready to love you the next time I see you. You you tracking with me? That's my job for you, and that is your job for me and for everyone else in this room and everyone that we interact with. We are to posture our entire lives to think and do what is kind, good, and best for others. That's the command that John gives us. Now, why do we do that? For, John tells us, because love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. We are called, if you have trusted Christ, then we are called Christians and we are called to love others because God is love and because when we are connected to him, we become like him. We are united with him. We receive his characteristics and his ability to love as he has loved. Right? God is love. And if we have been born again of him, we are spiritually his heirs, his sons and daughters, and we have received from him his characteristics, who he is. Right? I've got I've got four kids, right? Only, only one of them is here. Interesting. I know one's in San Marcos. I don't know where the other, it's all right. Once you get to like over three, you just, you, you hope to end up with three, right? And you're like 75%, that's good. That's solid. Um, but the, what, makes, what makes them my kids and not any of you? I mean, there's a number of factors, right? But, but biologically, they have my DNA. Only these four humans, my wife doesn't even have my DNA. Only these four humans have received my DNA, right? They've received my traits and my characteristics for, for better or for worse, right? That, that you, you're not gonna, like, you know, that's why you see kids that are like, oh my, like, like the Howry's kids are gonna sing, come on, right? Right, because, because the Howry's sing and they, they pass that, that down, like the odds and likelihood of them being able to sing is much greater, sorry, children, right? Is much greater than my kids, right? because we pass down biologically in our DNA from, from parents to, to kids. Our kids become like parents. You can't separate that. And, and, and John is saying, okay, if we've trusted Christ, our spirits have been born again by God's spirit. We are connected to him. The same way that my DNA is passed to my children, God's spiritual DNA by his spirit is passed to us as his spirit indwells us, we receive his characteristics. The fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are not things you're like, all right, this month, it's kindness. I'm gonna go grab kindness. No, no, it's already there. Right, the fruit of the Spirit, kindness, is in us because the Spirit indwells us. We are just called to grow in it, to, to walk in it. These Howry kids, they probably got some skills to sing, but if they never practice it, if they never grow in it, It'll just go dormant. If you've trusted Christ, John says we are born of God, and since God is love, love is given to us, and we actually can obey this command. It's up to us if we do. It is our dadgum choice. So any moment we don't love one another, we are choosing not to love one another. It's our choice to love one another. And, and John's like, if you are a Christian, then it, it only makes sense then that you would love one. It, it doesn't make any sense to say I'm a Christian and to not love one another. You must not know God. That's his deduction. If I say I'm a Christian and I intentionally withhold love, John's like, you, you must not actually know God. You, you know what they call a fish that doesn't swim? dead that's right thank you claire why because fish swim right like you don't even have to teach a baby fish to swim right you don't see a mama fish being like here you are swim right done a lot of study in this finding nemo boom he's just swimming so a fish that's not swimming is dead and john's like a christian that's not loving is dead that's not a christian so if you have trusted Christ, if we've trusted Christ, the expectation is that we've received his spiritual DNA by his spirit in us, we will love one another. Are we gonna be perfect? No, we're gonna stumble, but because he's in us, we're gonna get up and be like, that was wrong. Let me choose to love. Let me put it back on. Let me grow in this. That's our command as Christians. That's our instruction. Because God is love and when we are united to him we receive his love now i, I want to say a couple things about that command that god or that that truth that god is love because i think we've heard that phrase um, manipulated to serve our own interests many times oh if god is love then he wants me to be happy heck no right I love my kids. I don't mean I want them to be happy all the time, right? I want them to thrive. I want them to be well. I want them to, to, but just because doing something illegal makes them feel happy, I don't want that. That's not best for them. Ergo, that's not love. So, so often we take this truth, right, that it says love is from God, God is love, and we d define what the word love means, and therefore we go, hey, this is what love means to me. God is love, therefore he accepts what I say is love. Right, love is love, is love right? Lo love, love is whatever you want it to be until my definition of love contradicts your definition of love, and then now I'm not loving. Right, so we, there has to be a standard, a truth of love, otherwise there is no love. If there's no absolute truth of love, we all get to define what love is to me 
But the problem is at some point, your definition and my definition are going to conflict. And I've now just overruled my own definition of love, which is, it is what it is to me. Does that make sense? There has to be an absolute truth of love. God is that true standard of love. When we're asking what is love, what does it mean to love others? I have to define that based on who God is and what he says love is. Otherwise, I'm my own definition and you're your own definition and that's chaos. There has to be some absolute. What is it? What is the absolute definition? The Bible says the definition is God. He defines love. Not my feelings, not your feelings, not my interpretation, not your interpretation. God. God is the definition. He is the metric. He is what we look to. What this also means, if God is love, is that at all times, in all places, at all moments, God is thinking and doing what is good, kind, and best for you and for me. At all times, in the good times, and when the world has just fallen apart, when I'm happy and feeling great, and when my heart is crushed and broken. God is love and is thinking and doing what is good, kind, and best for you. If that's not true, God is love sometimes. But if God is love, period, that means even when our circumstances hit the fan, in that disaster and calamity, he is thinking and doing for you and me what is good, kind, and best. I, I urge you to trust that. To hang in there. Because sometimes love doesn't always feel good. And doing what is best for someone means confronting them on blind spots and ripping out idols and lies that we believe to be true. And that doesn't always feel the best. We know that relationally. Right? We know that relates. We've got someone we love who's in addiction. I mean, you can't see what's right when you're addicted. I mean, you're, 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 you're blind. It's not gonna feel good when someone comes and calls us out on that, but that's what's best. So sometimes, right, things don't feel that good. And life is hard, but God is love, therefore he is thinking and doing what is good, kind, and best for you, even if it's hard. Even if it makes no sense to you. The devil wants us believing that God's holding out on us because what's gonna happen then is we're gonna follow the footsteps of Adam and Eve and we're gonna grab hold of our own happiness and what we think makes sense. And what followed that? Well, just the destruction of everything. I urge you, trust that he is love and he is good and he is working out what is good, kind, and best for you. 
So God is love. He is the definition. He tells us what is true. What that also means is that he loves you and me regardless of how you and me love him. Love the Deuteronomy 7. God tells Moses and the Israelites, he's like, hey, I chose y'all not because like, you're the fanciest and you're the biggest and you're the best. I ch- like, you're mine because I chose to love you. It's the best definition of love I could find. I chose to set my love on you, he says. God is love. That means he has chosen every single one of you. Look at me. Look at me. You are loved beyond what you can fathom or imagine because God is love. He loves you. I don't care where you've come from. I don't care where you are in this moment. He's just looking forward and wanting the best for you. And does that mean you get to just keep holding on to the stuff that pulls you down? No. He wants you to walk in the light. He wants what is best for you. He is always looking for what is best for you because God is love. He wants tomorrow to be better than today. He wants Tuesday to be better than Monday and Wednesday better than Tuesday, right? He wants an infinite growth of abundance and thriving in his presence. That's why Jesus said he came to bring abundant life. In his presence is the fullness of joy, like the overflowing superfluous amount of joy is in his presence. God is love. He loves you. And every moment of every day, he wants what is best for you. Don't listen to the lies of the world or the lies of the enemy. God loves you. You are cherished and loved and beautiful and you matter and you have infinite worth than what we can imagine because God loves you because he is love. Love comes from him. And now, as his ambassadors, so 2 Corinthians 5 says, when you trust Christ, you become his ambassador. That's not something like you get promoted to one day. You are his ambassador. We get to be his representatives of love to another. Some people in our lives will never know the love of God until they first experience it through you. Can you think about that. There are people in your life today that will know for eternity the love of God because they first tasted it through you. You were his ambassador. You were his conduit. That's what John is saying here. We love one another. We are passing on the love of God that he has for us, for the world, to others. We are God's visibility, his spirit through us. We put his love by faith. We put it into action. We are his ambassadors. That's our command. Love one another. Intentionally choose, posture your entire life to think and do what is kind, good, and best for another. For God is love. And if you've trusted him, you have received his spirit of love, and now you are his ambassador. You are giving love to one another around you. Every person every person in this room, every person we interact with, no matter their gender or their race or how much money they have or if they offer us something or if they just take from us, right? We give love. Why? Because he gave love to us. John gives us our model and our motivation in the person of Jesus. When we're asking how do we love, we look to Jesus. 
when we're struggling to give it because we're worn down or because really they're just taking from us, we look to Jesus. He's our model and our motivation. John says this is love in verse 9. And this, the love of God, was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. This is how we know the love. This is how we see the love that God sent his son. Love starts with God. It's his idea. We didn't earn it. We didn't woo God's love for us. We didn't live this life that was like, oh, hey, check her out. I think I'm going to love that one. He's a stud. Yep, I'm going to love him. No, God initiated love for you and me. God chose to initiate love for you and me. God has chosen to love you. I don't care what the world has told you. I don't care if every day of your life you have a dad that told you you're worthless or you have other friends who've told you that you'll never live up to something or you have people that you trusted that said, man, you've messed up too much. I don't, God has chosen to love you and we know this because he tangibly, physically sent his son onto this world to demonstrate that love for us. That's how we know. Because Jesus was a historical figure. That's not a question. Jesus was born and lived in Nazareth. Jesus went to Jerusalem and was nailed on a Roman cross. That's not a question. People are like, oh, did that really happen? No, it happened. He was put in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. Right? The, the Romans and the Jews put guards outside and they sealed the tomb. And you know what? No one knows where his body is. No one's been able to uncover his body. It, during those first few months and years when the Christian church is blowing up and Rome and, J the J and the Jews want nothing to do with it, here's how they squash that. Here's how Christianity today does not exist, is if they're like, this is garbage. There's the dead body of Jesus. Did that ever happen? Nope. So until someone can show me the, the, the remains of Jesus which there was plenty of motivation too. I gotta trust that Jesus walked out of the grave and ascended to heaven. I gotta trust that this Jesus is who he says he is. And so then I start saying, okay, well then why did God send Jesus? If this Jesus did come, if he did die, if he did rise from the dead, which there's no evidence that he's still buried, why did he come? He came so that you and I might live through him. He came so that he would die and we could live. He came to be our propitiation. That just means that he satisfied God's wrath in our place so that you and I could live with God. Show of hands, how many of you have read C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia? The rest of you need to get reading. Holy smokes, Wow great series, like fantastic books, and they're easy to read, right? They're, they're children's books, so they're easy to read, but they're so good. They're so packed full of just quality content, right? The, the most famous one is the second book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, um, and in that, 
right? You've got um, the, the four sons and daughters of, of Adam, um, Edmund, Lucy, Peter, Peter, and Susan. That's them, that's their names, right? Um, all right, they stumble into Narnia, and, and Edmund inter- comes into interaction with the White Witch, and, and she, she gives him this spiel about how there's going to be this abundance of uh, some snacks. Turkish delight. Thank you. Thank you. Right? The, the witch is like, hey, Edmund, come, come follow me, and I will give you all of this Turkish delight. Right? You can, you can rule. You can live your own. This is the lie of the devil. Right? This is the lie of the devil. Hey, hey come, come this way, and you can be God. You can call the shots. You can determine what love is and what makes you happy and how you want to live your life. Come this way. And then it's this bait and switch, right? Edmund's like, I'm in. And then she pulls the curtain out from under him and, and the rug out from under him, pulls back the curtain, right? And, and it's gone. There's nothing there. And so Edmund is now a slave to the witch, a, a life of destruction, of death, of, of misery. How is he going to break free? How is he ever going to live life again? Enter Aslan. Aslan is the lion. He is the true ruler, and he has come to fix what was broken. He has come to make right what was wrong. And so he goes and he has a conversation with the witch. And they go away, and he, he comes out, and the witch releases Edmund. Edmund is now free. Well, how was Edmund set free? Because Aslan took Edmund's place. Aslan said that he will become the witch's prisoner and that she can do with him whatever she wants if she will let Edmund live. And what did the witch do with Aslan? She, spoiler alert, if this is new for you, that's on you, right? (laughs) What does the witch do with Aslan? She kills him. She thinks she's going to win and be forever the ruler by killing Aslan. But what she doesn't know is that Aslan is divine. You can't kill God, and Aslan rises from the dead and ushers in a total defeat of the witch and death. But the exchange happened, right? Aslan would die so that Edmund could live. You with me? Aslan would be exchanged and would go and suffer the punishment for Edmund's betrayal. Edmund was the one that believed the lies and walked away, and yet Aslan would come and be the propitiation for Edmund. Aslan would die, Edmund would live. That's what Jesus did. You and I are Edmund. At some point in the history of our lives, we have believed the lies of the devil, and we have chosen to go our own way instead of God's. We have rejected trust in God, and we have believed ourselves to be better, ourselves to be right, ourselves to be God. And in that, we were separated, and we deserve to be punished for our rejection, our betrayal, our lies. But Jesus came to die so that we could live. Jesus would suffer the punishment for our sins. He would become the propitiation. Our sins, our record would be erased. Jesus would take that on himself. The good news about Jesus, though, is that he is God. Satan does not beat God. Even though Jesus was killed, he would rise again. Colossians 1 says he would walk out of the tomb, triumph over Satan and darkness, and bring for any who wish to follow him as king eternal life. See, we thought it was just a children's story. C.S. Lewis was telling us about Jesus. 
telling us about a way to live. Yeah, shocker. That's why Jesus came. This is how we are satisfied with his love. When we come to the realization that we are incredibly sinful and deserve no place with God, and yet in love for us, he thought and did what was kind and good and best for us in sending Jesus to die so that we could live. That is love in action. If you say, I love you, but you don't back it up with action, that's not love. Don't tell someone, I love you, and then not follow through with that action. If God is love, but doesn't come and act on that, it's not love. But Jesus came in our place. That's the model of love. A complete self-sacrifice. A humbling of self in order to lift another up. A choice to lower oneself in order to lift another up. Jesus made that choice for us. That's our model, and the Bible says that's our motivation. That's what compels us to go and to love one another. If we're struggling to love others, we can go here first and say, man, I'm I'm struggling to receive the love of God for me because that is our motivation to then go and love others. Once we see that I am the chief of sinners, the worst of the sinners, the most unlovely, and yet God chose to love me, makes it a lot easier to go and to love others. And so we come here, we look at this, and we sit in this, and John says, beloved, if that's how God loved you, that's how we should love one another. That's our model. That's our motivation. If you're in Christ, you have the Spirit's power of love to go into love. It's up to us to choose whether we're going to or not. It's up to us if we're going to choose it or not. What does that look like? How do we love one another? And that's, that's going to be different for every person, every moment, every scenario, right? But it is a constant choosing. Am I going to think and do what is kind, good, and best for Carson in this moment? And in the next moment, and the next moment, and the next moment, and then when I interact with Takoya, am I going to think and do what is kind, good, and best for her in this moment, right? And, and, and so on and so on. And the same for you to every person and to me. Someone walks through that door, time to apply it. What is kind, good, and best for that person that just walked through that door? Is what is kind, good, and best ignoring them? No. No one wants that. That's what Jesus says. Do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. So if I'm going to love one another, am I going to ignore people I don't know? No. Right? That's... Am I going to, you know, be the first one in line and fill up my plate so that there's not enough for others to eat? Or like we just start breaking it down into simple and small ways. What is kind, good, and best for that person? What is kind, good, and best for the next person that's going to come in that I haven't even seen yet? Is it kind, good, and best to know that so-and-so is living in sin and not not confront that? Not walk with them through healing? No. This is our task. And this is how we live as ambassadors for Jesus. As we speak and we live love to everyone. 
Y'all, that's life-changing. Life-changing. You want to you see something remarkable happen in your lifetime? Live this out. It, it'll, it, it'll change your life, and it'll change the lives around you. This is how God's loved us. This is how we're invited to love others. What does that look like for you? I think it starts with a commitment and a choice. All right, God, I'm in. I want to love as you've loved me. Show me, reveal to me, help me. That's our invitation. That's the, that's the church we all want to be a part of, am I right? Come on, every one of us. Let's go make it. Don't think that's on someone else to do. That's not on me to do for you. That's on you to do for you. There's no reason we can't have that church and be that church. None. No reason we can't have that home and be that home. It is our choice. I'm in control of me. You're in control of you. Will we love one another as Jesus has loved us? If you've trusted Christ, you've got that power. It's there. Let's walk in it and grow in it and see the world change around us by him in us. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.